Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast. Season 2, with your host, Kim Finesse Media, and co-host, Treat a Millionaire. As the hosts gather their show notes and stage the studio for their next guest, sit back, sit back, turn up your volume, and get ready for something brand new. And uh, again, uh, this is a good time to be live, uh, to be talking to some good people uh, who has uh, really been on the front line. So it's really not an exciting time per se, um, but it's a good time. And so uh, I'm going to moderate the conversation uh, tonight. I got a panel uh, of, again, some folks that's been on uh, the ground fighting a good fight for justice, no justice, no peace. And so they're in the Zoom so I can see them. So, hey, Sora, Dr. Grayson, how are you doing? I'm waving to her. And uh, we got another brother, uh, an alumni. Actually, this is a good family also setting, too. So before we jump and get into deep conversations, uh, for those that's in queue, those that's listening, thank you for doing so. And then my panel of guests, uh, make sure that you're letting people know that you're on this podcast. And uh, we're going to tap right into it. But uh, Stephen Jones is another panelist. Stephen Jones, I may be saying that wrong. He's also an alumni. Uh, of the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, and so is Dr. Uh, Pamela Grayson as well, who we'll be speaking with later uh, in a couple seconds, actually. So don't want to talk my head off. My co-host, Teresa Millionaire, couldn't be with me tonight and joining this podcast. But uh, like I say, man, we're going to bring it down with a music break uh, real quick. And uh, it's from one of my sororals, Selena Johnson, Grammy-nominated artist. And I think at this point, not only are we uh, highlighting the um, black uh, excellence, but also we still fighting for women's rights. So Selena Johnson with her new track, Woman, coming off her latest album, Woman. Check that out. It's on Spotify. It's on Google, on iHeart, Tidal, wherever you can stream music. Make sure you check out Selena Johnson. Also a member of Zeta Phi Beta uh, Sorority Incorporated. And we'll be back with Dr. Pamela Grayson kicking us off with this discussion. No justice, no peace. Selena, what's up, man? Let's go. I'm a mother, lover, fighter, writer, sister to the game, a survivor, a driver. God damn it, I'm a leader, believer in anything else that is needed. I need it. You're the chill of 
it. That's it. That's all we gonna play from Selena Johnson. Shout out to my sorority, Selena Johnson. Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated member. Also my hometown, Chicago. So we love and we appreciate the work that Selena Johnson is doing and uh, keeping her fitness game tight. But uh, I think that's a good segue, actually, uh, because the person that's going to be joining the the panelists and this discussion first is also a member of Zeta Phi Beta. And when I tell you, man, she brings some fire Dr. Pamela Grayson is definitely one of the people that I should have had on the season of Finesse Media uh, podcast where we talk to people that's finessing the motherfucking game. That's just the way it is, Doc. So we can get real around you. We can curse on this podcast. So I'm saying it like it is. Uh, but really, you're somebody who's finessing the game. So without further ado, we're going to bring her in and we're going to make some noise for my soror again of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Make some noise for Dr. Pamela Grayson joining the podcast with us tonight. Hey! What's up, Sora? So we can see each other. We zoom what in now. What is up, Frank? What's up, sis? It, I, I can't call it. I know I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. How you feel? Because I, I saw what happened to you down uh, at the at the protest. Uh, I think it was a couple of days ago. You're looking good, but how you feel? Headache, obviously, because they hurt me pretty bad. And understand, that was the second time we've been protesting here in Dallas. We've gone out peacefully. Um, what is going on is you have individuals that join the protest with no intention of doing so peacefully. So they antagonize law enforcement, and then law enforcement lashes out on everyone. However, on Monday... They, um, there was no need. They had us pinned on a bridge. We were protesting. Um, they purposely left the exit open on the bridge and looked at us walk up the exit. They had saved some officers on the other end. When we got on the bridge and tried to turn, come back off, they put officers there and pinned us on the bridge and started shooting into the crowd unnecessarily and so yes i did get hit smack dab in the head with a rubber bullet and these bullets are of nice size i have one where's my rubber bullet bring me the bullet it's in there um but yes and we're pretty sure that i'm talking to yeah what's up blade what's up He, he went to go get is, the rubber bullet. Blade must be proud of his mom. And it's not just the mom, but, I mean, just the movement that you're doing down there. Because I also noticed a coalition that you created. Is that something that, that just was created? Or, wow, look at that bullet. Wow. That's what they were hitting us with. And when it comes out of that gun, it, it's very hard. It hit me so hard, it caused literally an egg to form on my head, and it split. I was bleeding. No, I've seen that, and that's what I'm like. It's so crazy. You made up. You look beautiful, uh, Queen, and that's what I'm saying. How you feel? You're looking good because this was just a couple of days ago when I saw the knot on your head, and I'm like, whoa. Because I was tuned into the live. First off, I was tuned into your mm-hmm. live, and so I think the next morning I saw that. I'm like, but it was crazy from what I saw from your live. But let's talk about that. So you on the grounds in Dallas. Uh, like I say, fighting a good fight for justice, Aurora. You got Blade over there, your only son. He's watching. He's seeing his mom full of strength uh, and, and tenacity. So have you parted yourself with the coalition? Have you started your own coalition or movement? Because I noticed you out there with well, the bullhorn. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that's something I do. And that was with the coalition, but I do have my own organization as well. Um, because I've been at this a while, what I have found is we have the organizations that will do the rebel rousing. They will get the notoriety, get the family story out there, do the protests in the march. But these families, when the lights are gone, so does all of that support that support leaves them. Many times during this process, these families uh, have lost money. They're not making any money. And it's trauma in America just being a black person. Now, it's more trauma being a black person that has public injustice. And then when the penal system doesn't treat you fairly, they don't hold the person that committed the injustice against you accountable. That's more trauma. And these people need all kinds of support. They need mental support. They need financial support. They need emotional support. They just need somebody to come sit next to them. That's the piece that I put in. Um, I connect families with the mental support they need, the emotional support. I go sit in the courtroom. I go sit in the witness room. I sat in the witness room with Botham John's family. Um, one of the most ugly days of my life was the day when Botham's mom met Brandon Wright's mom. Brandon, no, Amber Geiger shot Botham. Mm-hmm. Amber's partner, whom she was having the illicit affair with, 12 years ago, he shot Brandon Wright and killed him, another young unarmed black man. So these two mothers met. Mm. It was horrible. Mm. It was horrible. No, I, the pain, yeah. the anguish, the cries. We had to help Miss Wright up off the floor. Um, I don't ever want to see that again. And even after that, Miss Wright you know, she was made promises. We're going to reopen your son's case in all these promises. And again, when the lights went down, nobody Why made that on the yeah. promise. Mm-hmm. So they took her to the police chief. The police chief can't open a case. The DA has to do it. No one took her to the DA. So I set the appointment for her with the DA, which was a month out. And we went to the DA so that she could get closure to what she needed. Um, and I was pleased to find the DA had already researched it and they could not ethically reopen that case against that officer because there was no new evidence. But at least they looked. They tried to get it. And and we have a decent DA in Dallas because when we got trapped on that grid, they told us everybody's being arrested. So we thought we were all going to jail. From what I understand, the DA came down there and he told the people, police, I'm not, you, you can file the charges. I won't try them. And mm. as of today, I saw a letter from a Dallas councilman. The DA's dropping everything. It, was, it Apparently, there were 600 people out there. Wow. I didn't know that were that many of us. But no. there was over 600 people. And then even after I got off the bridge, they let me go because... I didn't know it, but my son was still on the bridge. The person that had him, I thought, was gone. Oh, he wow. was still on the bridge. So because he was on the bridge, they let us go because I had a child. Mm-hmm. But when I got off the bridge, I walked past the chief of police. And I said, look, 
and she acknowledged that this should not have happened. She was not aware that they had pinned us on the bridge, and she acknowledged that hitting me in the head with that bullet was excessive force. Mm. I was going to ask a follow-up for that. So did you? Uh, so you were able to identify the officer who shot you? No, no, that's the problem. That bullet came. That officer had to just shoot up into the air, and that bullet fell where it fell because it came from nowhere and hit me in the head. Wow. Was that the he, moment? That per- I- and, and there was no need. We were subdued. People around me were on their knees. Mm-hmm. I, we okay. weren't doing anything. I don't know if that was the moment, because, again, I was watching your live that night, and you was like, whoa, something hit me in the head. Your camera went down for about a minute or two, and people were just around you, helping you. And I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm now definitely watching, because I'm like, wait, Sora's out there. She just went down. And that's what I was thinking, like, is Blade out there? Like, who got the kid? And then I'm like, I'm waiting for the moment where you get your phone back, because now I'm like, it's a phone kick to the side that somebody got. I mean, I was watching it. So was, is it, was it that moment that you got hit with the rubber bullet? Yes, I, it it brought me to my knees. Yeah, it did. The camera hole. I, 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 I hit the ground because it mm-hmm. was that painful. Wow. Um, my eyes started burning and watering. And then, you know, we were already being smoked in tear gas. Mm-hmm. So it was already hard on our eyes already. And uh, I had to gain my bearings. They had to stop my eyes from burning, dab the blood off my head. And then it was after that. At this point, you'll hear the people screaming, stop, stop, stop. Law enforcement was closing in on us and just hitting us. Mm. They were asking them to not hit us. Mm. We were on the ground, hands up, begging not to be hit. Wow. And so at that point, I texted and I discovered Blade is still on that bridge. So I got up and I started freaking out. I needed to find my son. They were telling us to get out. I didn't care. I needed to find my child. Mm. And so I found him. And then, like I said, they let us off. But then from there, I went to the hospital. Now, and this is the, the interesting part. I walked in the hospital, and it was a sister. And I said, I got shot with a rubber bullet. She said, you were down there on the bridge. I said, yeah. She <laughs> gave me the fifth death. Thank you. Mm. And so then I go in. Well, it's, it's a white female <laughs> doctor who clearly was not appreciative of my activity, wouldn't do the CT scan and sent me home. Whoa. So I got to go to the other doctor. But then the next day, one of my son's medical providers calls me and she said, is this Ms. Pam? I said, yes. She said, well, this is so-and-so. Blade has an appointment at the end of the month, but that's not why I'm calling you. I remember this post. Keep talking. I'm calling you to tell you thank you. Thank you for what you did last night. We saw you on the bridge. We saw you speaking at the rally. Um, And that was amazing because I did not know those people knew who I was. Mm. And if I saw them out and about, I probably wouldn't know who they were. (laughs) No, I saw that. I saw what you said about the uh, follow-up from Blade's appointment. No, that's dope because, again, like I say, people see you're out there unapologetically black. You are. You're from my state, Illinois, Savannah, so... We share, you know, that Midwest roots, and we. I, I, this is not the space, but we can dig into the HBCU and, and those times. But yes. in, in speaking about those times and memories, what do you find that's different? Because I'm assuming that, Sora, you've always been in the front center, you know, making your voice um, be heard. What do you see different about protesting today? I have an answer, but what do you think 
different or what's different between the protesting today um, than it was back in maybe your college days at UAPB? Because it's always been a fight. We've always been fighting. It has always been. Um, because we were at UAPB and we were not the minority, I don't think we were as vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing most thing you would be vocal about is arguments between sororities. I mean, that was pretty much the biggest difference we had. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my sophomore year, I believe. Was this my sophomore junior year? We had the voters registration. That was the year Bill Clinton was running against George H.W. Bush. And he was going to kill student loans. George H.W. Bush would have put most of my... I was blessed. My parents could pay, afford to put me through college. Most mm-hmm. people were not. And he was getting ready to make it where a lot of my friends, Sarah, Frack, everybody, classmates would have to go home. So we were vocal about that. Putting up signs and... Uh, running the registration, getting we became deputy registrars. Beta Phi Beta ran, and I did lead that uh, project. And uh, getting people registered to vote, explaining, hey, if this guy wins, there's a strong possibility you're going to have to go home. Mm-hmm. And so I think we did very well on that project, um, getting people to understand the importance mm-hmm. of voting at that point. And and my my. My high point in that was that there one of my instructors, and I, I didn't feel the woman really liked me, but um, I guess she noticed the work, and, and I went to vote, and I felt a slight tap on my shoulder, and it was her. She had been sick, and she was just, she was just so nice and mm. loving, and I just, and then one thing, we were in two different sororities, so there was pettiness with that, but she was very nice. And uh, she told me she was proud of me. I That's remember that to this day. That's I didn't even know that she was really even. <laughs> now that's what's up, Silver. And so, being on the ground fighting, I'm gonna wrap this up because we got the panel of the people, as I mentioned, they're joining in. And so, some of them on the mm-hmm. Zoom too, so you can wave. I think we got uh, a real quick note. We got Chad as joining, uh, and then we also got uh, Stephen, 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 Stephen. <laughs> We got, uh, yeah, I think someone else just joined the chat room, but definitely hey. want to give them some, give them some space. Go ahead, Sora. Okay. One thing I'm going to ask, look, the changes that we need to make now, um, tomorrow, from Saturday, I'm doing a online presentation with a committee to get Lamar Street in Dallas changed to Balsam John Boulevard. Because that's the street both of them lived on. The cost for this is going to be roughly twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars. Um, in the movement, we need money. We need money for walkie-talkies, T-shirts, gas masks, all of that. Training, training is needed. Uh, organizational cost. This is our movement. It has to be done with our money. And I, I don't ask people to do what I don't do. So whatever you're doing out there, everybody can help in the movement. The movement needs money. If you don't trust, you know, your local activists, give to a church that you trust. We need money. Well, we can't keep, keep asking doing for money. what we're doing. 
how we can how can the listeners follow this movement and ultimately uh, send a token of donation? Because I definitely okay. would do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, they can follow. It's all over social media, obviously. It's all social media. Uh, send it to me. Send it to me, Doc. If you send it to okay. me, I'll post it's it. Po- okay. Thank you. We send have it to a me and I'll share. It's called Social Justice. Um, we need money. And then Collective Activism is my organization that I was talking about. We're kind of doing the aftercare and the personal care of social justice victims. I want to do a training on how we march because when we protest, we break formation and you got We've got to learn how to do it properly, maintain focus, pick good routes, and get our point across. We don't do the looting and the rioting either. Here in Dallas, it was white nationalists that did all of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, listen, it's never enough time. 15 minutes is not enough. This platform is not big enough. But I thank you so much because, like I say, you're somebody that's finessing the game, that's out here doing it. Uh, tell Blade I said hello. And uh, which is right there behind you, the word hello. Uh, but again, a dear soror, a dear a, a dear sister. So again, if you want to hang out and listen to the panelists, please do so. Not kick you away. I just want to move the baton to the next panelist and uh, keep doing what you're doing, soror. Please be safe. We're here in Dallas, so hopefully we'll connect uh, out there on the front lines together. Maybe you know uh, the blue and white event. But I definitely want to see your love on you. I don't think last I saw you was at a. Uh, uh, the daiquiri shop when uh, we had the UAPB situation down here. So that's yeah, been like three years up. ago. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's been a while. In fact, it was when I think I first yeah. met uh, uh, you, Doc. So uh, I, I salute you. I, I love you. And again, uh, you got my my always support. And uh, send me that Thank information you. so I can push it out on all Will my do. social media platforms. I certainly want to do that. Thank you. Thank You're you. Most- Thank you for having me. Most definitely. Sit tight. And we're going to keep this thing rolling. I'll jump into a music break. In fact, I'm not going to jump into a music break. Each and every week on Finesse Media Podcast, on our episodes, we shout out HBCUs. But this week is not an episode, but I'm not going to let it go. So the HBCU of the week, we're about to bring it up. Here we go. Historically black colleges and universities commonly called HBCUs are defined by the Higher Education Act of 1965 as any historically black college or university that was established prior to 1964 whose principle was and is the education of black Americans and that is accredited by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association determined by the Secretary of Education. It's now time for the Finesse Media Podcast, HBCU of the Week. Every week, like I said, we spotlight HBCUs, and this week we're not going to give a full bio and information about this HBCU, but the University of North Carolina A&T is our HBCU of the week, so shout out to North Carolina A&T for being our HBCU of the week, and uh, like I said, we're going to keep this thing rolling, and I got my good friend, uh, Stefan Jones, who, Stefan, I see you on the Zoom, so this is live, so I'm going to just jump right into it. I see you on the Zoom, but I don't see you in the call queue. So if you can call the number, uh, that way you can be on, you can be right there. Oh, you can't hear me on the call. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Wait, are you, have you called, but you haven't called into the show, right? You're just talking on the Zoom? Oh, wait, I'm muted. I'm muted. My bad, I'm muted. Can you hear me now? 
Yeah, I can hear you. I, I mean, I, this, I can hear you in my head, and I can hear you on my cell phone. Okay. They really can't. If I'm, it's kind of choppy. Are you on the laptop? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So this is how we doing it, man. But like I say, um, this is important. Uh, this is not to be taken lightly. Uh, we've known that they upped the charges. Uh, let me jump back into uh, Dr. Grayson real quick as, as Stephan gets set up. Uh, Dr. Grayson, what do you think about those charges? Uh, and I'll try to take you off mute, or you can take yourself off mute. What do you think about those charges, uh, third degree, but now jump to second degree? It's first degree murder. Mm. I'm, I'm sick of it. We do not get fair justice. Let's look at this. Jordan Edwards, child that was shot, went to a party for the first time. They broke the party up, told them to leave. He did what he was supposed to do, and Roy Oliver, the officer, still shot a shotgun up in the car as it was leaving. Crazy. And killed and shot that baby in the head. He was only 15. Honor student, church boy, you can't say he was a bad child. Got funky 15 years. Not right. Because if it had been the other way around, a black cop shot a white boy, do you think they'd have got away with 15 years? Now, let's not even get on Amber Geiger for both of John. This oh, yeah. said on the stand, if he had been white, she wouldn't have shot him. This heifer got 10 funky years. And I blame the jury for that. They're talking about, well, what would both of them want? You weren't there to do what you thought both of them wanted. You were there to issue justice. And you failed because her crime, to me, was worse than Roy Oliver's, and he got 15 years. Mm-hmm. 10 years, and this heifer going to be back on the street. No. When it comes to killing us, they get away. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. Second degree is not enough. Because first of all, this joker knew George Floyd. They had worked together. So which means you knew him. You knew of his character. You knew who he was. And to me, as if we've not heard of any prior confrontation between these two, why did you have to go and kill him? Mm-hmm. And the sadistic look on his face. He enjoyed it. And they first came out with third degree and said he died of underlying causes. Now it's second degree and the individual autopsy has to say it was asphyxia from a knee on his neck. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, black lives never get justice. That's right. And how many people got out? This man shot Philando Castillo after you told him to reach for the gun. And he was getting it peacefully, doing the good thing. I'm licensed. I have a weapon. Take it out. Okay, I'm reaching for it. And bam. Geronimo Yanez never saw the inside of a jail. Mm-hmm. And as far as we know, this joker has turned up on someone else's police force. The man that killed Tamir Rice, little boy with a fake gun, turned up on someone else's police force. Here's my my issue, too. 
with teachers, they have a law that says you cannot pass for trash. If your teacher is trash, you do not have a right to send them to another school. Mm. How come in something as critical as law enforcement, they can pass the trash? Wow. Well, you jeopardize my life with your trash passing. Stefan, right now, I got you live. I can see you. I can hear you, bro. And you're a teacher down in Atlanta. So we're going to keep this thing rolling. Doc, I'm going to leave you live, too, so your audio is still good. Stefan Jones, man, welcome to the Finesse Media Podcast, bro. Thank you so much for joining and uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule. Because like I said to Doc, he's finessing the game, and you're finessing the game as a teacher, as an artist, uh, and as a true activist, as I see down there, man. So, again, thank you for joining the podcast. Is that, thank you nice. for listening to, to another episode. Oh, that's the applause button. <laughs> <laughs> Raw audio. <laughs> <laughs> but Stefan Jones, man, it's good to see you, bro. Uh, you hilarious, also a comedian you are, bro, because your uh, shit yeah, is off the chain. So in between and finding balance of being a teacher, uh, an activist, you know, or just not even an activist, just on the front lines, as we all should be. I, I say this, and I have not said this. I don't have the capacity. I, I do, but I, for those that don't know, y'all might be new. I have a two-month-old. Uh, that was best born. So now, two year old, a four year old, and a one year old dog, and a stay at home mom. So I really don't have uh, like twenty four hours or any part of my twenty four hours to get on the line. So I said to myself that this podcast was necessary to you know talk to people that's been on the ground, but and, and allow for those that you know that's been on the ground to come in. But then I want to also reach out to people I seen. So that's why you're here. I thank you for accepting the invite, bro. But again, being on the grounds in Atlanta, Georgia, which is another hot city that's been popping with protesters, and you guys are being incredibly radical and in, in doing so, just like here in Texas. So what are you seeing on the ground down there in Georgia? Well, first I want to uh, just thank you for having me on. It's, it's wonderful what you're doing with your platform because so many people have a platform and they don't use it to affect positive change. So I just want to thank you for that. Um, you're welcome. Thank you. Atlanta and Georgia in general – it's just very tired. As you know, we're just coming off the things that happened with Amal Arbery. And, of course, that wasn't necessarily a police brutality incident. That was dealing with racism from people within the town. But you have you're dealing with racists in Georgia, and then you have this incident that pops up dealing with police brutality again. So Atlanta is just on fire. People are tired. Black people are tired in general. Um, me, myself, uh, working with the Children's Defense Fund, Freedom Schools. I joined uh, that movement in 2008, working as a servant leader intern, and that was established by Marion Wright Edelman. So we learned a lot about uh, the civil rights movement, SNCC, um, organizing. We studied, studied um, figures like Ella Baker. Um, everybody mm-hmm. always wants to talk about Martin Luther King Jr. and, and Malcolm X, but there were so many other figures from the civil rights movement you know, we studied people like Ella Baker who said things to the effect of strong people don't need strong leaders. And she really believed in the model of training up everybody within your organization to be to the point where they can step in and lead when it's their time to lead. And then they can step out, step in and step out. And everybody's effective. There's no weak links within your organization because everybody um, is working within their strength. So coming up and uh, studying the civil rights movement with all this going on, I definitely felt like I had to be involved 
And as uh, a teacher, I feel like you have to be a change agent. There's no way you can teach black and brown students and not be concerned with the plight of black and brown people in America. So I want to echo what was said by Dr. Grayson. Um, Most of the people that are coming to our protest are peaceful. They're coming there to protest peacefully. You have Mm -hmm. a small percentage of people in the audience that want to riot. Um, We've had people down here doing things like throwing water bottles at the uh, policemen. But sometimes it won't just be a water bottle. There might be some type of chemical in it. It might be bleach in it. So when they throw these things at the police, the police aren't thinking, oh, it's this small percentage of people throwing stuff at us. They're going to disperse the whole crowd. So they've been using tear gas, um, things that come off like fireworks, um, explode very loudly to disperse the crowd. I've gotten um, a dose of that. Uh, and, you know, it's, you try, try to see things from both sides. And protesters, you never want to be tear gas because you're like, I'm here peacefully. I don't want mm-hmm. you to gas. I don't want you shooting off fireworks at me. I don't want you doing these loud explosions. That because when those those fireworks and those loud explosions go off, they have a big radius. You're getting hit. <laughs> like no matter what you try to do, you're getting taken out. No matter how peaceful you were, and it's really frustrating. Um, I'll tell you a story. Earlier this week, I was walking up to a protest, and there was a young um, white lady going up to the protest, uh, what people would call a Becky on social media, a young white woman would go up to the protest. She had on a two-piece bikini, which I'm all for feminism, but if you're coming to a protest, I don't see why you're going to come in a two-piece bikini. She had a beer stuck in the back of her bikini and a crack her ass. Wait, this was Ooh, real? I saw your post about this. This was real? It, this was real. She turned and she said to her boyfriend, I'm ready to riot. That's what she said as she was coming to the protest in her two-piece bikini. So I want to say there might be a small percentage of black people that are rioting, but I want to say for the most part, that's not us that's doing the looting and rioting. It's people that know mm-hmm. that we're coming as black people to protest peacefully, and they, they're opportunists, and they're using mm-hmm. it as their moment to strike up the stuff. But because we're seen as a on the media as the Black Lives Matter movement is doing this, we're taking the blame. When the white people are looting, when the white people are rioting, we're getting blamed for it. And that takes me back to, you know, this whole country was started on revolution. This whole country was started on rioting. That takes me back to the Boston Tea Party, which was a riot, which was looting. They went in and they, they got the tea and they damaged it. That's rioting. Mm-hmm. And they dressed up as um, Native Americans to go up and do that. A lot of people don't know when they were doing the Boston Tea Party, they were dressed up as um, Native Americans. So they could take some of that ownership off of them so they couldn't get attacked and they couldn't, um, people would know exactly who they were. So again, you have black and brown people uh, back then, they were dressed up like them to get the, to get the Native American in trouble. And now you have white people riding and looting and we're still going to get in trouble with it. We're still getting blamed for it in the media all across America. And I just really don't appreciate that because most of us that are coming to to the protest are coming to do so peacefully. Mm-hmm. And is that what you're saying also too, Dr. Uh, Grayson, down in Dallas? Have you seen some protesting? I, and I've seen it here in Dallas where it's been peaceful, but I have seen some ruckus or some talks of that. Has that been the case too in Dallas? Yes, sir. 
And in fact, when I saw the police cars, the windshield busted, that was not us. And then when there was, uh, it was a young white man that was charging the police tank. We're trying to restrain him. We don't know where he came from, and he was hyped up on something. He was not us, but we were still trying to save his life. Um, if you would look at that courthouse that was burned down in Nashville, I want to say Nashville County Courthouse, that was a 25-year-old white man the FBI arrested. There's also been another white boy. He's burned down a national monument or a federal building or something like that. But, yes, it is its own fact, specifically here in Dallas, and in other places, it's white nationalists going out there and doing it. They started, and we're taking the blame for it. Now, yes, it's not all them. Some of us, our people are taking advantage of it, too. But for the majority of the starting of the rioting, it has not been us as peaceful protesters. Mm. And then what pissed me off about that is that People are using that to, again, discount our issues, mm-hmm. discount our pain. Mm-hmm. I had some young man I saw post on uh, Facebook. He said, I'm not going to listen to rioters, but I will listen to quiet protesters. I said, well, you need to go check out those white nationalists then. They're the ones that started it. And even if it was me, I shouldn't have to tell you my story in a way that pleases you. So mm-hmm. that you can hear me. You should be able to hear what I have to say, my hurt, my pain, my anguish, regardless of how I say it. Mm-hmm. That is the mature Christian you all claim to be. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely time for them to be uncomfortable, if not already ago. I mean, we 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 400 years behind this, but that's it. And 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 and, and, and Stephen, I want to go. Stefan, I want to go back to you. With this one, so on the ground, you're seeing uh, what are you seeing? Because in the media, it is showing a lot of black folks, but it's also showing a young white America out there. Are you seeing a lot of that, or was a mixed crowd of folks that's protesting? I will say, um, Midtown and Downtown Atlanta is very uh, diverse in general. We always think of Atlanta as a very black city, and it is still a black city where people can do very well. But just like most people, uh, most places in America right now, there's a lot of gentrification um, mm-hmm. uh, within downtown, prices being raised, people being forced out. So it's gotten very uh, – got a lot uh, going on um, as far as different types of people. There have been a lot of white people at the protests. Of course, there's a lot of African-Americans, people of the African diaspora, but I will say – I've seen Asian people. I've seen white people. Um, I've seen uh, Latino, Hispanic people. I've seen lots of allies. Just yesterday, when I was walking to the protest for my complex apartment complex, um, there was a woman who said to me, um, "Go for all of us who can't go," and that just really stuck out to mm. me that she said that because she saw with my sign, so she knew where I was going. I had on uh, some gear from Ghana too, so she I look very Afrocentric. But she's like, "Go for all of us who can't go." And then, you know, as I was going out the uh, the gate, another uh, a white man that was in my combat, he just simply, she's like, good luck. And, you know, that's very simple, you know, um, uh, but just to show that you want to be supported, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily mm-hmm. know the way. 
that's a, a wonderful thing that I've really uh, appreciated. It has been very diverse. And there's people out there, you know, everybody's not going to be the type to go up and speak direct, directly to um, the National Guard or speak directly to the policemen. But there's people out there just handing out masks. There's people out there mm-hmm. handing out water bottles, mm-hmm. taking care They're of the doing people your who are more actively protesting. So um, there's a place for everybody in the movement, and that's just uh, really what I've seen. And it's, it's been really amazing because, you know, for every uh, white person I've seen is trying to riot and start drama, I've seen one that even if they don't necessarily know how to be an ally, they're trying to be an ally. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I do appreciate that. Um, one uh, other strange dynamic I've noticed here in Atlanta, we have a police force that is uh, has a lot of black people on it, of course, it's a very black city. Uh, I do feel like the Atlanta Police Department is doing a better job than other cities in the United States of having a community policing model. Um, like You saw people like Killer Mike and T.I. get on television and uh, Mayor Bottom say things like, Atlanta doesn't deserve this. You know, we do want to rise up against all law enforcement. When we see these injustices, so we see, like, any police, you're like, oh, you're all bad. But I got to give it to the Atlanta Police uh, Department. They do try to have a community policing model, and they do try to be a bit more um, restorative justice-oriented. And I do feel like sometimes they're taking a rap and a punishment for other very, very racist police departments when they are not as much like that um but one mm-hmm. thing i don't like when they set up when they set up uh because you know we have the national guard deployed here is you know they'll set up the policemen in front and then the national guard will be behind them and i noticed you know the national guard of course has a lot more white people a part of it as opposed to the percentage of the atlanta police department they always put the black policemen in front right by the riders it's sort of like i feel like they're putting them there so we will be less likely to confront them, and I don't appreciate that using the black mm. policeman as a like a pawn type shield. Mm-hmm. No, I get you. So the National Guards are back. on ground. Oh yeah, the National there. Guards they're on ground down in Atlanta. Oh yes. So you saw the first night when it got really wild and they're riding and they spray painted um, Olympic Centennial Park. You can't even go into Olympic Centennial Park ever since that first night that last Friday. It's closed off the National Guard. They form a perimeter right inside of there, and they're in there with, um, I think they're like paint, paint pellets or something to that effect. And they'll, they'll shoot you, or if you try to go in there, like you can't go in, you can't go into the Centennial Park. And when it becomes nine o'clock, they've already got all of the uh, policemen in the National Guard set up strategically, where they'll ease in and they'll ease in, and if you get caught in that perimeter. You're, you uh, have, have a potential to go to jail. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So they, they definitely on the move down there. I didn't know Atlanta was uh, was that tight. Um, we, we got we got another person, another panelist uh, joining. She's also an alumni of University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. So it's good to have my family in the building. She's also a member of the Delta Eta chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So we're going to bring her right on in. Chloe Orange. What's up, girl? Welcome to the podcast. What's up? What's up? What's up? 
Chloe is fighting a good fight in Albuquerque, New Mexico, so she's definitely somebody I want to have on as well to uh, get your thoughts. So you just joined it. We got Stefan Jones, who you may be familiar with uh, from the university as well, and then Dr. Grayson, uh, who's also uh, an alumni, alumni from the university. So we all family of the Golden Lions Den up in here. So, Chloe, I just wanted to kind of get your take on what you're seeing down there. I know you said tonight you might be on the grounds, um, you know, doing this uh, live, but uh, it looks like you're at home. Uh, But yesterday I saw you, or the day before I saw you with a mask and the whole bit, man. So thank you for being out there, as I said, before you came on. Uh, I'm not able to with just capacity and and time, but I definitely want to use my platform and hold off um, load my episodes for the fun stuff and uh, really do a live podcast with people that's uh, out here on the front lines. And uh, we got a couple of people that have already joined and gave us their intake on what they're seeing. Stefan is in uh, Georgia. Dr. Grayson is here in Dallas. And you're in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So what you're yeah. doing uh, or what you're seeing down there, and uh, I'm hoping that you're safe. Yeah, I am very safe. Um that's one thing I can say about New Mexico. Um, when I moved down here, I was very re- um, reserved about moving down here because of the lack of diversity When in New Mexico because um, in Albuquerque, I believe it's 2% black, and then the rest mm-hmm. is everyone else. So I was a little hesitant about coming, moving down here. But as far as the protests, I'm very safe. Um, I stay in a very, very safe neighborhood. I just moved to the suburbs. Um, ironically, when the protest just started, the protest and everything started right around my, the corner from my old house. So um, when I was protesting, when I was marching up the street, um, I didn't see any damage. Um, it was a very peaceful protest in Albuquerque. Um, the police, the police were out, but they weren't out of their cars. So they were following us up the street, blocking off traffic, traffic to make sure that we had a peaceful protest. Um, the choppers were out, but it wasn't as aggressive as what you see on TV. So nothing as far as, you know, uh, National Guard is being called out. But Governor, uh, the governor, Governor Luhan, Luan, he or she is actually for the people. So she stands behind the people of New Mexico, which is really, really awesome because if you're protesting, you're standing up for your rights as a people, um, regardless of what what color you are, she is behind you 100%. Right now she's fighting the fight for the Navajo Indians. Um, I don't know if you guys know about that, but they their reservation is really plagued with the COVID virus. And so mm. with everything that's going on in the country right now, they don't have any PPE or any tests to get tested and they have a large older community, a very, very large older community. And so the president spoke out, the president of the Navajo Indians spoke out about that. Um, and then, of course, you have the protest of George Floyd. Um, mm. So with all of that com- combining, you have the Na- Native Americans protesting their rights, um, basically saying, you know, the treaty that we signed for the United States, we gave you guys land. In return, you were supposed to respect us and give us X, Y, Z, and now you're not following our treaty. So they're fighting their fight, and we're fighting our fight. And <clears throat> what I can say that I'm, since I'm down there, 
and this is a podcast, I'm gonna be totally c- candid. Absolutely. When we when we fight for our rights, um, and you see everything on TV like like um, Atlanta, Dallas. Um, Minnesota, and you see all of the black massive power, and you just see them marching up, standing for what is right. Here, it's a little different. Matter of fact, it's a lot different. The ethnic background here is not in depth, okay? So when I was protesting, I could probably count on my hand how many African Americans or how many minorities were in the crowd. Um, Wow. Yes, and so that kind of that kind of put a it kind of put a, a a little question mark in my mind because if George Floyd, if this wouldn't happen to George Floyd, would you still be fighting for our rights? You know, do you have a separate, my thing is, do you have a separate agenda? Because now you're protesting for our rights, black people rights, but then you also have homosexuality, you have LGBTQ that are marching with us, black power, black power. Then you have, you know, Europeans marching with black power, black power, black power. You have every ethnic background marching with us, and they're saying black power, but the teaching from history proves that when other cultures, they stand up for our rights, they usually have another agenda behind it. So when I was marching, the person that was on the bullhorn wasn't a black person. The people that were leading the protest, they weren't black. Not at all. They, it was it was like 10 white people in front. So I'm in the middle. I'm like dead in the middle of the protest, and I see this. So I'm trying to run to get in the front because I feel like as a black American, I need to be leading this protest. I need to be in the front. You need to see my face. You need to see what this calls to our community. They shouldn't be fighting for our rights out here. Um, so it just kind of, kind of really, it kind of really hit me emotionally, like, Malcolm X talks about it a lot. Hey, you know, the white people, they have a separate agenda. They may be for you on this way, but guess what? They could be fighting for their rights for this one or that one or for the dogs because they led this protest mm-hmm. for the black rights or the black civil rights or the cause. They were the pivotal pro- the pivotal pro- person for this cause. So when I'm out there and I'm, I'm protesting, it's not that I'm protesting not only for George Floyd, but I'm also out there marching for the rights of people in the, the black American rights in Albuquerque because there is none out here. Like when I tell you I'm a raisin in a cornflake in cornflake, that's what <laughs> I am out here. It's, but let our listeners but let our listeners so, know I mean, why you're out there. Because, let our listeners know why you're out there. Give yourself some shine. Because you're working hard. So I so I am out here. I'm in the University of New Mexico. I'm working on my PhD in sports administration. So that's why I'm out here. It wasn't. It's it's by choice because I really wanted to. <laughs> I really wanted to receive my uh, my doc my doctor degree, and so a little touch about that. I've been kind of going back and forth about my concentration of where I want to go with my dissertation, and it was leading towards equal rights or equal opportunity the Fourth Amendment for student athletes or um, sustainability in sports, try to decrease the green footprint for arenas and um, fan engagement. So with this all being pivoted, pivotal in the country right now, I think I'm going to lean towards the equal rights for black students in HBCUs 
um, because I think we need to have a lot more scientific studies when it comes to HBCUs and the student athlete at HBCUs. Most of. And we got 10 minutes. I want to do two things. I want to get y'all take on um, my other panelists. Two people missing. Y'all seen it. I don't know where they are, but I'm, I'm close to time. I only have 10 minutes uh, left on air, but I, have, I want to do two things before I go off air. One, I want to get your take on uh, FAMU. Did you hear that? UAPB. FAMU uh, will be joining the SWAT conference in 2021. So I want to get y'all thoughts and opinions on that. And then I want you guys to do your last words. What should we be um, What should we be doing? Or just your final thoughts. I won't even tell you what to say, but just give me your final thoughts. But again, back to that. FAMU joining the SWAC uh, Southwest Athletic Conference in 2021. Dr. Grayson, what's your thoughts uh, surrounding that news? If hey, you Dr. didn't hear Grayson. about it. I'm all for it. I am a SWAC fan. Welcome to the family. And I love it. And we're going to dog them like we do everybody else in rough in the SWAC. Mm-hmm. So don't come in there with your heart on your sleeves. Play ball. And understand this. We can talk about each other, but don't you come talking to me about my SWAC teams if you ain't from the SWAC. I had somebody from Purdue talk about HBCUs. I ran down his throat. We can talk about each other, but I fight over my sisters and brothers in the swag. So welcome. Let's play ball. And give me your final thoughts. Let's go ahead and do it do it in the same round. Go ahead and give me your final thoughts too, Doc, on this whole situation. Um I was raised in a small white town around white people, a predominantly white town. Back when I came to UAPB, they call me a white girl because I talk white, um, that we could coexist. I'm done with that. This year, for the first time my child had white teachers, it went bad. They teach with a cycle of deficit. They were jacking with his scores. Um, I now am getting ready to pull him home for a year and homeschool him to fix the damage they've done to his academic foundation. And I told you earlier, I, I don't I don't know. When Martin Luther King, towards the end, he said he thought integration was sending us into a burning house. I'm of that mindset. We need to do our own thing. That's why I said even I was building the website for my organization. And while I was doing so, I said, you know, God, the language I'm using is too strong. I'm coming across too black, too militant. And the next day, this George Floyd is murdered. I'm done. I, I I am okay with us doing our own thing. We need to start our own organizations, own schools, use our own money to further our cause. I'm done. There's no coexisting. I will never again, and, and I hate to say it, but I, I probably will never again let a white teacher teach my child. Mm. Um, we have to fund our own furthering. I say buy black, support our businesses, donate to our causes. Don't do this cancer run anymore. Stop it. Only 10%, 10 cents out your dollar go to the research. Go down here and give to that young lady that found the cure in mice, the sister that will not sell her research because she knows they're going to take it 
find the cure and charge horrendously for it. She keeps it. We fund her. And she's going to give it to us cost effectively because she's doing it from the heart, not from the wallet. We can't coexist. I'm done. I'm, I, I, what's the song by Wale? Sue me. I'm for everybody blessed. <laughs> no, that's what's up. <laughs> done. That's what's up. That's what's up. Whew. All right, Steve. Uh, <laughs> you got to come back on that one. I'm glad that FAMU has come over to the SWAC. The, we don't need them in the MEAC. I like FAMU. I like their style. They need to come over here with us. I think it's a wonderful thing. More people for the party. You know, let's keep it going in the SWAC. Um, mm-hmm. I would say for my final thoughts, again, I want to reiterate, there are people that are blaming all the looting and the rioting on black and brown people. I've been on the ground. I've seen it. A lot of the rioting and the looting is coming from white people, and we are taking the blame. So I don't let don't let anybody fool you, all right? That is not us doing it. It's, it's some of us are doing it, but most of that is not coming from black and brown people. I also want to put out there for the people who are real focused on the rioting and looting, but not on the police brutality, not on the racism. You know, we see you, all right? This whole country was built off of looting, rioting, revolution. You had the Boston Sea Party. You had the American Revolution. We would not be here without protests, riots, revolution, Mm -hmm. fighting back. So it's hypocritical for any white person, any privileged person, to tell us to just sit back and accept things as they are because they didn't accept things as they were from Britain. They didn't accept things as they were. So why should mm-hmm. we now accept things as they are, and why should we feel like we're at our final step in society that we can't evolve anymore? We can still change as a society. We can still evolve as a society, and anybody who's telling you, to just accept it as it is. They are a hypocrite. We are within our rights. We have not received any reparations. We built this country. We have not received anything for it. So we are within our rights. We built this stuff up, so if we want to burn it down to get the respect we deserve, then so be it. That's what's up. That's what's up. Stephon Jones, man, thank you so much, brother, uh, for, for joining this uh, live uh, podcast. And uh, keep doing your thing and be safe out there on those grounds in Atlanta, bro. It's a pleasure. So, Delta Ada, you got follow. the last word. <laughs> Fam, you, UAPB, <laughs> Swag Championship. You think that's a, that's a good game? So I don't know how to follow up <laughs> from the last two. And, Doc, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're doing well. Um, I definitely heard about what, what happened, and I hope you're doing well. Um Lead the charge. You are one of the leaders out here. We need more leaders fighting the cause because without you and your generation, we are a generation lost. So thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, now, um, with the Sam, you and you, APB, I won because SWAG is the strongest conference in HBCU history. Like, who else who else compares to the SWAC? Like when I was I was living in Virginia and they were like, Oh, the MEAC. So you know I graduated from Hampton and they said, Oh yeah, the MEAC this, the MEAC that. I went to both of their homecomings, Hampton and Norfolk State. 
I've been to every homecoming in the SWAC, and I can tell you that nobody does it like the SWAC. So, welcome, fam. You, congratulations on moving to the most power, the most pivotal and powerhouse conference in the HBCU. Yes, sir, Doc. Welcome, yes, sir. Welcome, welcome. Now, my last words. Um, piggyback off of the piggyback off the, off of Mr. Jones. Yes, the U.S. didn't accept um, a lot of things. For example, the Statue of Liberty. They didn't accept the Statue of Liberty. They sent it back. Why? Because it had a black face. It had black features. The only thing they left on there was the chain to represent slavery. So why do Mm. we have to sit back and watch people get killed, get killed on national TV? Um, I remember CNN, they said a special, this is the first time that a black person has been killed and has been recorded like this. But I can remember Tamir Wright, who was 12 years old, getting gunned down in a park. He was under a pavilion playing with a BB gun, and he got shot and killed by a police officer. It was all over Mm. the TV. The next week, a white boy did the same exact thing. They didn't shoot him. They picked him up and dropped him off at home. So why do we have to accept being killed and being discriminated against when we are people? In the Constitution, they had to amend it to that say works? that we are a whole person. Huh? Like, no. So when it comes to fighting our fight, we need to stand up for our rights, for real. We can't, we can't settle for, oh, am I being too black? Oh, mm-hmm. I'm a black girl with an afro, and I work in an all-white setting, and now I have to be the black-white girl because I have to watch what I say because I have to watch – well, I have to make sure that I'm not offending you because my tone is offensive mm-hmm. to you. So with that, that glass ceiling, that stereotype, um, you don't look at me for my brain. You look at me for my skin color, and then you judge. We need to stand up for that because we are educated people. Just like Doc said, we need to buy black. We need to research the products that we are actually buying. For instance, mm-hmm. Colgate. Colgate. Colgate is a Democratic company. They only they only donate money to the Democratic and Independent Party. Um. Uh, it's a host of other host of other companies that actually donate to Republican Party, to the NRA, that need to be divulged and need to be exposed because guess what? We are inadvertently um, supporting those companies. So just like when people say, hey, Wendy's um, donated, well, the founder or the local franchise donated $400,000 to the Trump campaign. But guess what? That was $400,000 of customers' money that he just donated to the Trump campaign. So you can't look at it as a local franchise. You have to look at it as I'm spending my money and I'm putting it in his pocket. And so whatever he's doing with his with my money, I'm supporting his decision. So we need to stay, we need to focus on that, that business mentality and stop fooling around with all the sidebars um, and just stay focused. That's all I got to say. And that's a whole lot. And it's so much to say. It's so much to say, man. Gang, I thank y'all so much uh, for, at a short notice, 
joining this podcast and this live podcast. It will be in replay. The Zoom is also in record. So I'll push out all this stuff so you guys can share it for the people that missed it. And uh, we'll probably do this again because we're not going to stop fighting. We're not going to stop talking. And uh, we're going to grow this space and grow this conversation. So, again, I thank you all for taking the time out of your uh, night. Uh, to do this and again at a, such a short notice uh, but hopefully somebody who's watching this in replay something that doc said or something that mr jones said or dr orange said uh inspired y'all tonight man so again thank you for supporting finesse media uh support each and every episode that we do uh we really usually talk to people that's finessing the game and this tonight was no different these folks are finessing the game and Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Dallas, Texas, and in Atlanta, Georgia. My other two that were absent representing Houston, Texas, I still want to shout them out. So thank you, San, and thank you, Chad, for also accepting this invite. And maybe you will join us next time. And I want to leave y'all with a clip for those that's listening and for the, my panel that's here. Once this clip go off, you can go home. But I do want to play this clip before we go off there. And for those that's listening, I see you. Those that's in the chat room, I see you. I couldn't respond. But to my panel again, thank you so much. Keep fighting the fight and stay safe. Black lives gonna forever goddamn matter. Amen. All right, we're gonna get this clip queued up. And uh again, thank y'all for joining this podcast and uh we'll see you next time for Nest Media Podcast. was killed because we have never accepted slavery. We had to live on it, but we've never wanted it. So we know that this flag is drenched with our blood. So what the young people are saying now, give us a chance to be young men respected as a man. As we know, this country was built on the black backs of black people across this country. And if we don't have it, you ain't going to have it either because we going to tear it up. That's what they're saying. And people ought to understand that. I, I don't see why they don't understand that. They know what they've done to us all across this country. They know what they've With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.